Hey there, I'm Sarah Thwaites, and this is Our Mind Made, a space where we discuss the curiosities of life, seek to ask more beautiful questions, and share thoughts and stories which bind us together. This first season is based around books and key learnings that the Our Mind Club members have experienced through their time reading each book. In this episode, we are discussing four poems from Ada Limon. Ada is an American poet who in 2022 was named the 24th Poet Laureate of the United States. The collection of poems within The Hurting Kind was largely written over the COVID years. Today I will read each of the four poems and then offer the thoughts and feelings from the Our Mind Club members. Next, we are all in for a treat because I challenge the club members to write their own poems, to feel their own feels, and the poems I received back were utterly gorgeous. Finally, if you've listened to some of the other Our Mind Made episodes, you will know I finish with a short meditation. The meditation today will be a rereading of each of Ada's four selected poems from The Hurting Kind, and also of the club members' poems. I will offer spaciousness in the words as I speak, so you may sit and feel into them. And if you cry, don't worry. When we cry, oxytocin is released, which soothes us. So make space and allow yourself to feel fully. Before that, though, I'd like to start with some of the overarching sentiment from the group on this month's reading. Many members found the poetry confusing, hard to relate to, possibly due to that confusion, and hard to get into. One member felt it was so hard to read because she was dealing with significant grief and challenge in her life. I asked her if it was because she didn't feel up to the extra feelings that poetry often brings. She said, quite possibly, and maybe too she just wasn't up to the extra pondering which poetry often pulls out of us. Another member initially said, I couldn't relate because it was so sad, but then went on to reminisce about sad feelings from childhood. Several members didn't respond to the specific poetry, but instead sent me long messages with feeling-fueled words, memories, frustrations, willingness to be heard. It was like even if we didn't completely get every part of the poetry, by reading it, it was still managing to crack through our skin a little. Another member made me laugh, saying doing this exercise felt new and like something I'd been forced to eat as a child, but now my taste buds have changed. I actually enjoyed it, like broccoli for the soul. Personally, I loved, loved, loved reading each of the four poems multiple times over the month. It was like hearing Ada say different things in her writing and they kind of unraveled the more I reread them. I also enjoyed that for the month it was short readings, no rush, just read and contemplate, then read again. It was meditative for me. So shall we get started on eating our soul broccoli? The first poem is titled, Not the Saddest Thing in the World. All day I feel some itchiness around the collar, constriction of living. I write the date at the top of a letter, though no one has been writing the year lately. I write the year. Seems like a year you should write. Huge and round and awful. In between my tasks, I find a dead fledgling. Maybe dove. Maybe, don't know to be honest. Too embryonic 
to see through and we, I don't even mourn him, just matter of fact, like take the trowel, plant the limp body with a new hoster under the main feeder. Seems like a good place for a closed-eyed thing, forever closed-eyed, under a green plant in the ground, under the feast up above. Between the ground and the feast is where I live now. Before I bury him, I snap a photo and beg my brother and my husband to witness this nearly clear body. Once it has been witnessed and buried, I go about my day, which isn't ordinary exactly, because nothing is ordinary, not even when it is ordinary. Now, something's breaking, always on the skyline, falling over and over against the ground. Sometimes unnoticed, sometimes covered up like sorrow, sometimes buried without even a song. Shana's comment on this was, well, it made me feel sad. For Shana, the despondency came from feeling sorrow for those whose lives are not witnessed, who aren't seen, celebrated or remembered. Rich said the final line of the poem made me pause and reflect on how I show up in the world, the enormity of everything, and yet the seeming insignificance too. This sentiment hit a chord for Marnie too. Her notes pointed out, knowing that everything can be both exquisite and or ordinary. And she also went on to say, on any day the same thing may feel very different. I wondered myself, if it weren't for COVID, would there have been the same sorrow laden with numbness written into Ada's words? This poem resonated the most for Olivia. She noted it screamed of the acute COVID years, noting that her autocorrect changed her intended COVID years to COVID tears and how perhaps that was fitting too. Again, she pondered on how COVID changed us, slowing us to stop and see, really see things more, like Ada seeing the fledgling. The next poem is titled Thorns, armed with our white plastic buckets. We set off in the safety of the noonday heat to snag the full rubus blackberries at the bend of her family's gravel road. But before we even reached the end of the driveway, a goose hung strangled in the fence wire, bloodless and limp. Her long neck twisted, her hard beak open. She was dead. Though we would have been loosed like royal ranch dogs, we knew we should go back, tell someone, offer help. Still sunburn and stubborn in the way only long free days can make a body. We walked to the thicket and picked. When we returned, bloodied by prickles and spattered with stains, we were scolded, not for secreting the news of the dead goose, but for picking too many berries, for picking all day in the sun without worry for our own scratched skin. I can still remember how satisfying it was, how we picked in near silence two girls who were never silent, how we knew to plunder so well, to take and take. And with this new muscle, this new gristle that grew over us for good. This is the poem that sparked a memory for Jules. 
She said, we once had baby geese as children. They poked their heads through wire and died overnight. And it was such a sad sight in the morning. Jules also said she found the poems quite empty and sad. Which I found interesting because in a way Ada was leaning on that sad emptiness. We felt over COVID and we sometimes continue to feel. Or perhaps it's the fullness of sadness. For Trina, she mused about childhood, how things were simpler. Marnie made several points about sin and secrets and pain and truth, finishing with the words, it's honesty and truth that will eventually give you forever ease and peace. Shana pondered on how it is our human nature to seek out pleasure over pain and how pain is easier to endure if the end result is pleasurable. So for me... I could almost taste those berries. I could almost feel their plumpness and the heat of that warm summer sun. And I kind of wanted some too. (laughs) The child in me was hungry. The next poem by Ada Limon is What is Handed Down. Smoke and sweat seep through your winter's vest. And nights off you'd play the harmonica on the rooftop. A man made out of netting and wire with an unexpected tenor made of push-ups and the sound of typewriter keys, eight tracks and knowing all the lyrics to all the songs. I thought you were a celebrity. The way people shouted your name when we walked through the plaza. Even as a child, I noticed your gentle way of fixing. The first time I saw it, it felt like a trick. The spider plant I killed because I didn't care enough about lives other than my own was soaked in the apartment sink until it came back to life. My mother's clock radio you took apart and put back together, good as new, though the war had made it so you couldn't hear the high notes. It's selfish, I know, but I want to be the fixer now. Show me how you did it all those years, took something that needed repair and repaired it. For several of the club members, this poem reminded them of their dads. Marnie wrote, Dad, just Dad, my dad, Trevor. This one clearly resonated. It's a feeling of homeliness. It's loving and it's a longing to have important skills passed on, fixing, repairing. There is also a sense of giving over, an embedded sadness perhaps, a wanting to be shown how before it's too late. Trina felt this too, noting this poem reminds me of both the timelessness of memories, but also the bittersweetness of the gifts and skills that get lost when loved ones pass on. Shana mused on how this is wisdom that comes through time, and it's only often as we grow wiser with time, we realise others are wiser still, and how much they offer. Rich found that the idea that we are made of physical things like push-ups and also abstract things like music led him to reflect on how our environment shapes us. The last poem by Ada Limon is the end of poetry. Enough of osseous and chickadee and sunflower and snowshoes, maple and seed, samara and shoot, Enough chiaroscuro, enough of thus and prophecy, 
and the stoic farmer and faith and our father and tis of thee. Enough of bosom and bud, skin and God, not forgetting and star bodies and frozen birds. Enough of the will to go on and not go on or how a certain light does a certain thing. Enough of the kneeling and the rising and the looking inward and the looking up. Enough of the gun, the drama and the acquaintance's suicide. The long lost letter on the dresser. Enough of the longing and the ego and the obliteration of ego. Enough of the mother and the child and the father and the child. And enough of the pointing to the world, weary and desperate. Enough of the brutal and the border, enough of can you see me, can you hear me, enough I am human, enough I am alone and I am desperate, enough of the animal saving me, enough of the high water, enough sorrow, enough of the air and its ease, I am asking you to touch me. Marnie wrote, enough of planning, figuring out why, writing down hopes, just get out there and do it. Feel it. She felt Ada's yearning to touch rather than dream. Shana said, enough monotony, enough of old ideas. I'm here and I want clarity and I also want to be moved. I myself wondered who she wants to be touched by. A person? Her life? It seems to me she wanted to feel something beyond the words that she surrounds herself with. Shana was asking these questions as well, asking, is she done with words and traffic jams and done with talking and wants physical touch? We don't know, Ada. Who are you talking to, we wondered. So, it seems Ada made us sad. Made us remember our childhoods. Think about our futures a little. Consider our environment and where we lie in it a little more. And she made us ask questions. Why did they leave the dead goose? Would I leave the dead goose? Who do I need to be taught something by? Who do you want to be touched by, Ada? And do we want to be touched? Touched by our feelings, our memories, our loved ones. This jumbling place full of thousands of words. Of full sadness and full emptiness. And perhaps I wonder, is this new so-called loneliness pandemic simply us just wanting to be truly touched by one another? These next poems are ours. <laughs> a big thank you to the brave club members who rose to the challenge I set. How about we write a poem too? <laughs> Each one of these poems drew tears from my eyes and made me feel deeply. This one is from Richard. I sneak a glance as she pulls away, our days severed by a train of metal and glass. Ghostly wisps of water vapour sprout from the bay in the early morning twilight, like dry grass reaching for a sun that is no longer there. The bridge piers sprint past me in quick succession, desperate to get where they are going. I sit still. This is one by Marnie. Feel and be. 
No time. No point writing down unkept promises. Feel needs, feel wants. Feel empathy, feel time, feel touch. Feel warmth. Feel emotions. Feel the universe. Be better. Be you. Be low. Find high by being. Change the narrative. Be good. Improve. Improved. Be there. Be. Feel. Feel and be. This one is by Shana, entitled, Maybe Definitely a True Story. It was a strangely normal day when the woman realised she was a walking contradiction. But there she was, all planned spontaneity and wonderful humdrum. Her world was utter, harmonious discord, organised chaos, tiny messes, sometimes just mess. Quiet storms, noisy storms, days of being present, days of being absent present, nights of being dead tired, nights of being dead. Some days were tough. No one had told her that she would cry rivers of tears, wet tears, dry tears, that she would feel isolatingly crowded that she would yearn for sensory deprivation, deafening silence, tactile numbness, her eyes wide shut. And that rarely when she would get those things, she would almost instantly yearn for the complete opposite. What a conundrum. Some days were wonderful. No one had told her that timeless moments would be a plenty that her children would be true magic with their minor miracles and minor disasters, that she would never tire of their expected awe with the world, their perfect imperfections, their routine randomness, that life would be extraordinarily ordinary, and the love, oh the beautiful, disgusting, heart-stopping love, not a conundrum, Today in that moment she understood everything. Being a mother was nothing, if not the ultimate example of bittersweet. She was a walking contradiction. How lucky she was. This one is mine and it's entitled The Stranger's Dead Sister. You say my sister died last week. My heart crumples as my mind scrambles to find words where no words are right. I'm sorry escapes my mouth, weak, lacking. I am not crying, you say, as a rogue wet tear runs defiantly down your right cheek. I ask you questions and you tell me all the answers. Why do I ask so many questions? As if my heart somehow seeks to know all parts of this sorrow. You tell me she was your whole family. Most of your heart belongs to her. You tell me she died horribly, painfully. You tell me you are furious with her. She was an asshole, you say. But she was my asshole. Those defiant tears you say are not crying roll onto your cheeks nonetheless. 
Then you say, what is your name? And I tell you, but I know you can't hear me. All you can hear is your heart howling, knowing it will never be whole again. So, for our meditation today, it is simply a listening practice where we will lean into words and feelings that may arise. I will read each one of the poems in turn, so each of Ada's four poems and each of ours. And you might feel like finding a comfy seat and perhaps your gaze will turn down or you can feel free to find your eyes and body in their most comfortable positions. Not the Saddest Thing in the World by Ada Limon. All day I feel some itchiness around the collar. Constriction of living. I write the date at the top of a letter, though no one has been writing the year lately. I write the year. Seems like a year you should write. Huge and round and awful. In between my tasks, I find a dead fledgling. Maybe dove. Maybe dunno, to be honest. Too embryonic, too see-through and wee. I don't even mourn him. Just all matter of fact. Like take the trowel, plant the limp body with a new hosta under the main feeder. Seems like a good place for a close-eyed thing. Forever close-eyed, under a green plant, in the ground. Under the feast up above. Between the ground and the feast is where I live now. Before I bury him, I snap a photo and beg my brother and my husband to witness this nearly clear body. Once it has been witnessed and buried, I go about my day, which isn't ordinary exactly, because nothing is ordinary. Now, even when it is ordinary, now something's breaking always on the skyline, falling over and over against the ground, sometimes unnoticed, sometimes covered up like sorrow, sometimes buried without even a song. This poem is Thorns by Ada Limon. Armed with our white plastic buckets, we set off in the safety of the noonday heat to snag the full rubus blackberries at the bend of her family's gravel road. But before we even reached the end of the driveway, A goose hung strangled in the fence wire, bloodless and limp. Her long neck twisted, her hard beak open. She was dead. Though we had been loosed by loyal ranch dogs, we knew we should go back, tell someone, offer help. Still sunburn and stubborn, in the way only long free days can make a body. We walked to the thicket and picked. When we returned, bloodied by prickles and spattered with stains, we were scolded, not for secreting the news of the dead goose, but for picking too many berries, for picking all day in the sun without worry for our own scratched skin. I can still remember how satisfying it was, how we picked in near silence two girls who were never silent, how we knew to plunder so well 
to take and take with this new muscle, this new gristle that grew over us for good. This poem is called What is Handed Down by Ada Limon. Smoke and sweat seep through your waiter's vest. The nights off you'd play the harmonica on the rooftop. A man made out of netting and wire with an unexpected tenor. Made of push-ups and the sound of typewriter keys. Eight tracks and knowing all the lyrics to all the songs. I thought you were a celebrity. The way people shouted your name when we walked through the plaza. Even as a child I noticed your gentle way of fixing. The first time I saw it, it felt like a trick. The spider plant I killed because I didn't care enough about lives other than my own was soaked in the apartment sink until it came back to life. My mother's clock radio you took apart and put back together, good as new. Though the war had made it so you couldn't hear the high notes. It's selfish. I know, but I want to be the fixer now. Show me how you did it. All those years took something that needed repair and repaired it. This poem is called The End of Poetry by Ada Limon. Enough of osseous and chickadee and sunflower and snowshoes, maple and seed, samara and shoot, enough of chiaroscuro, enough of thus and prophecy and the stoic farmer and faith and our father and tis of thee, enough of bosom and bud, Skin and God not forgetting, and star bodies and frozen birds. Enough of the will to go on and not go on, or how a certain light does a certain thing. Enough of the kneeling and the rising, and the looking inward and the looking up. Enough of the gun, the drama, and the acquaintance's suicide, the long lost letter on the dresser. Enough of the longing and the ego and the obliteration of ego. Enough of the mother and the child and the father and the child. And enough of the pointing to the world. Weary and desperate. Enough of the brutal and the border. Enough of can you see me? Can you hear me? Enough I am human. Enough I am alone and I am desperate. Enough of the animal saving me. Enough of the high water, enough sorrow, enough of the air and its ease. I'm asking you to touch me. This is a poem by Rich. I sneak a glance back as she pulls away. Our day severed by a train of metal and glass. Ghostly wisps of water vapour sprout from the bay in the early morning twilight, like dry grass reaching for a sun that is no longer there. The bridge piers sprint past me in quick succession, desperate to get where they are going. I sit still. This is a poem by Marnie, Phil and B. No time, no point. Writing down unkept promises. Feel needs, feel wants, feel empathy, feel time, feel touch, feel warmth, feel emotions, feel the universe. Be better, be you, be low, 
Find high in being. Change the narrative. Be good. Improve, improve to be there. Be, feel, feel and be. This is a poem by Shana entitled Maybe Definitely a True Story. It was a strangely normal day when the woman realised she was a walking contradiction. But there she was, all planned spontaneity and wonderful humdrum. Her world was utter harmonious discord, organised chaos, tidy messes, sometimes just mess, quiet storms, noisy storms, Days of being present, days of being absent, present. Nights of being dead tired, nights of being dead. Some days were tough. No one had told her that she would cry rivers of tears, wet tears, dry tears. That she would feel isolatingly crowded. That she would yearn for sensory deprivation. Deafening silence, tactile numbness, her eyes wide shut. And that rarely when she would get those things, she would almost instantly yearn for the complete opposite. What a conundrum. Some days were wonderful. No one had told her that timeless moments would be a plenty, that her children would be true magic with their minor miracles and minor disasters that she would never tire of their expected awe with the world, their perfect imperfections, their routine randomness, that life would be extraordinarily ordinary, and the love, or the beautifully disgusting heart-stopping love, not a conundrum. Today in that moment she understood everything. Being a mother was nothing if not the ultimate example of bitter, sweet. She was a walking contradiction. How lucky she was. And this one is mine, the stranger's dead sister. You say my sister died last week. My heart crumples as my mind scrambles to find words where no words are right. I'm sorry escapes my mouth, weak, lacking, I am not crying, you say, as a rogue wet tear runs defiantly down your right cheek. I ask you questions and you tell me all the answers. Why do I ask so many questions, as if my heart somehow seeks to know all parts of this sorrow? You tell me she was your whole family. Most of your heart belongs to her. You tell me she died horribly, painfully. You tell me you are furious with her. She was an asshole, you say but she was my asshole. Those tears, you say, you are not crying, roll onto your cheeks nonetheless. Then you say, what is your name? And I tell you, but I know you can't hear me. All you can hear is your heart howling, knowing it will never be whole again. You can stay a little longer, or you can start to let your eyes wiggle around in those sockets, maybe open, maybe move around a little and that completes this meditation for today so if you think you'd like to 
read Ada Limon's poetry book, The Hurting Kind. You can purchase it at all the big book shops. You can purchase it online. She reads her poetry if you purchase the audible copy. And she reads it beautifully. Ada Lamont also features on podcasts such as Poetry Unbound and On Being. So she's easily found her beautiful voice, her beautiful words. I always think it's nice to have the hard copy. The cover's beautiful and I like to touch the words as I read them. (laughs) An extra note from today. If you think that you would like to be a part of our special little Our Mind Club, please send me an email with the subject line, let me in the club. And this will lead you to getting the intel on the book of the month, so you can read it prior. You'll also be a part of the Our Mind Club brain trust of thoughts and key takeaways from the book. Things will be changing for 2024 for the podcast series. There'll be lots of interesting dialogue, commentary and questions, which will be surrounded by books, of course, but other talking points as well. So if you want to get around that, the email is also in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the last few minutes or found it interesting or useful, please subscribe, share with all of your friends and to give credit where credit is due. The little voice singing in the outro is my sweet daughter, Frida Jean. Until next time, take care and may you make your mind intentionally. Our mind in sunshine today. Our mind in sunshine. You'll be together again.